0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Canadian RegTech Association's podcast. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with senior leaders from the Canadian Securities Administrator, the CSA, and we'll be discussing subtech and regtech from a regulator's perspective. My name is Donna Bales, and I'll be your host today. By way of background, I'm the co founder of the Canadian RegTech Association and a practitioner focused on regulatory compliance, market structure, strategy, and business transformation. For those of you who do not know the Canadian RegTech Association, we're a not-for-profit focused on solving regulatory challenges through collaborative efforts between key RegTech stakeholders, regulated entities, technology providers, and the regulators. We're here today with the regulators. I'm here with John Hines, Director of Corporate Finance from the British Columbia Securities Commission. John is the BCSC's Director of Corporate Finance. The Corporate Finance Division reviews compliance offering documents, issuer and insider disclosures, and leads and participates in related policy development. John is passionate about fostering vibrant capital markets that facilitate access to capital and protect investors. He holds the CPA and CPHR designations and has been with the BCSC since 2000. Also joining me today, is Umar Dalil, Director, FinTech and Innovation, Autorité de Marché Financier. Umar leads FinTech and Innovation at the AMF. He brings 12 years of experience in strategy and regulatory analysis, risk management, financial technology to the role, having worked closely with decision makers in the financial sector and within international organizations. He has an honors in Bachelor of Science in Economics and Politics from the University of Montreal, a postgraduate certificate international studies specializing in international economics from the Diplomatic Academy of Vienna, and an MPA specializing in financial regulation from the prestigious Ecole Nationale d'Administration ENA of France. Okay, so let's start diving into some questions. Obviously, digital transformation has been a very topical question in uh, 2020. So um, let's turn to what has, that has meant from um, a regulatory perspective. Um, John, could you maybe kick us off and give us some perspective on the, the journey, your journey at the British Columbia Securities Commission in terms of digital transformation?
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Donna. And first off, thanks also for for having me. Really appreciate having this discussion. I think it's an important one. Um, maybe actually before I talk a little bit about BCSE, I, I I also think I should share about the CSA perspective because um, that's interesting as well. Of course, you know Umar and I work together. Uh, on the CSA to sort of present a national approach to, to securities regulation. So maybe, um, maybe to start, I'd say uh, digital transformation, it's definitely a journey. I mean, I think that's such a great way to describe it. Um, and, uh, you know, BCSC, AMF, CSA, uh, we've all been pursuing that uh, journey or been on that journey for literally decades, I'd say. Um, certainly first steps. And uh, I think, you know, a former chair of the BCSC, um, Doug Heinman, he was, uh, I think, one of the instigators of the CSA in late 80s, early 90s, I think it was. And uh, around that time, uh, the development of CEDAR, sort of mid-90s, early 2000s, we had NRD, and then uh, SETI in 2004, um, so some significant sort of system implementations in uh, in those first years, and uh, they definitely uh, they definitely shifted CSA from sort of that paper paper based uh, jurisdiction by jurisdiction approach to an electronic. Sort of window uh, into securities regulation that was harmonized and and coordinated, which were you know significant benefits for regulators um, and for the CSA. Um, I guess I'd say too. So maybe maybe I'll pause there on CSA and just talk a little bit about BCSC. So uh, BCSC, obviously, too, uh, we've been sort of. Um, in parallel, pursuing sort of local digital transformation for years, you know, I think um, I've been with the BCSE now for uh, for a while um, since about 2000, and um, I, I remember in 2000 we actually moved offices and, and a big shift for us. Uh, I think we we called it the. Um, uh, the electronic file room. And remember, you, know, re- you remember all those rolling files <laughs> that everybody used to have, you know, that's when we got rid of the rolling files and it was quite a significant effort to sort of shift from paper to electronic. I mean, it was fairly rudimentary at the time, um, you know, uh, sort of those image PDFs as opposed to machine readable, but it was certainly a good first step. And and we've definitely come a long way since then. I think um, sort of more recently, some some interesting changes at the BCSE. 2013, we began introducing some algorithmic uh, risk models to help us prioritize our regulatory work, and uh, and those have been very helpful and interesting for us.
0: Yeah. Um, I- that, that's interesting, but where where do we see, um, you know, th- there's been a lot of work um, talk about advancing some of these systems like CDAR and NRD. Um, is there any work, I, I understand there's some work in there, can you work in that area? Can you can you talk a little bit about where you see that going?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so CDAR, uh, of course it's our issuer focused national uh, filing and payment system. Uh, what CSA has been working on now for a couple of years is CEDAR+, Plus. Um, and it's uh, it's uh, a project that will ultimately um, integrate uh, consolidate uh, those national systems that I mentioned already, as well as a number of others. I think there's sort of nine or 10 systems that are ultimately going to be uh, consolidated into the single Cedar Plus platform. Um, So definitely, you know, that that work has been underway for a few years. I'm pretty excited to say that, uh, you know, over the next 18 months, the first phase of CDAR Plus will launch. um, Mm -hmm. And that first phase will consolidate issuer filings and the processes that are now in CDAR, the CTO database, the discipline list. It will also pull in uh, most sort of remaining paper filings that, that exist as well as uh, for those who uh, file exempt distribution reports in BC and Ontario on our local systems, those are gonna transition over to Cedar plus as well. So um, it'll of course, you know, new technology platform. So sort of modern interface, uh, better filing flow, API capabilities. Um, so yeah, we're pretty excited about that. Yeah, that, that's the,
0: those API capabilities. We'll talk a, bit, a little bit more about that later on, but it's a very um, effective way um, from a, a subtech tech um, point of view. Uh, Umar, can we go to Quebec now? Like where, where, where have you with your digital transformation journey?
2: Yes. So, so, thank you, Donna, and uh, very, uh, and we are really happy to, to participate uh, this podcast. Uh, so, congratulations to CRTA. Uh, it's always a pleasure uh, to to work together, and, uh, and I'm also happy to to share this podcast podcast with John. Uh, so, uh, yes, uh, as John mentioned, uh, digital transformation is a journey. And uh, and it's an interesting journey because uh, today uh, data has a central role, and uh, and uh, we decided at AMF that uh, uh, to to give a strategic output around data. Uh, that's why uh, at the be- at the beginning of uh, twenty twenty, uh, we organized ourselves internally uh, to be able to appoint a chief data officer. Uh, so this shift uh, data officer will help us uh, uh, improve uh, uh, everything that is related to data governance, and especially the quality of our data, because uh, you need, uh, you need uh, data of quality in order to, to leverage uh, uh, the potential of data. So um, he was appointed uh, uh, in, um, in September. So we were really happy. And um, and of course, uh, we, uh, we, push, uh, uh, we push hard in this direction. Um, uh, we uh, want to become a data-driven regulator. Uh, that's our goal. Um, right now, we, uh, we are uh, implementing a hub and spokes model. So spokes uh, with the dedicated analytics team. Uh, that is being uh, developed uh, internally in different branches of the organization uh, while the hub is uh, acting as a coordinator. So that's our approach right now Uh, and uh, uh, the hub uh, that is coordinating these efforts internally is also trying to look at best practices, norms, etc. Still on data, uh, uh, we are also um, a member of IVADO. IVADO, uh, that is the Institute of Valorization of Data in Quebec, that's uh, uh, it's a collaborative institute where in the field of digital intelligence uh, and to, transfer, uh, to transform the scientific discoveries in data into concrete applications. And um, we work closely with them. And, uh, and it's uh, very important to uh, build bridges also uh, with uh, different actors, so academia, private sector, to be able to advance our goals. Um, now more broadly on uh, CSA, uh, so um, as uh, John mentioned, of course, there is this push on CIDA+, So we are uh, eliminating paper filing, etc. So we are now in a new world that is uh, let the paperless. Uh, but I would also like to add something around uh, a very important uh, tool that we have at uh, CSA, that's the market analysis platform uh, uh, known as MAP. Uh, so uh, it's uh, um, a data repository and analytic system that uh, helps uh, identify and analyze a market misconduct. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it uh, captures a broad array of uh, market and transaction data to, to improve insight and support market integrity. Uh, so we have this uh, goal and aim to to be more high tech in the pursuit of uh, misconduct, uh, such as insider trading, uh, market manipulation, etc. Uh, so uh, there, there is uh, this uh, this uh, willingness, you know, to 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 deploy advanced surveys, uh, surveillance capa- capabilities, you know, um, uh, because uh, right now, um, of course. Uh, uh, the, the businesses and uh, the threats and uh, uh, and um, are uh, are borderless. Uh, there are different uh, techniques, and uh, of course, uh, uh, we need to push more. Uh, you know, to uh, to to be able to keep up. That's why uh, MAP is important, and uh, we we are continuing to continue to push in this direction.
0: Yeah, it's also very timely right now with it being in a sort of more decentralized. Um, world now that that system is is up and running and um, and available for for the oversight. Um, So this this is great because you've given us a good framework on on you know what you're doing in addressing uh, regulatory challenges from um, from a supervisory perspective, but when you look at subtech, there's the you know the supervision and then there's the technology. So we want to talk now a little bit more about emerging technologies and how you are using um, some of these um, tools um, to within your organizations. So um, again, John, let's start with you. Um, how are you using emerging technology to improve um, regulatory efficiency?
1: Yeah, thanks, Donna. Um, so one example of how we're using, um, I guess I'd call it newer technology uh, to uh, to improve, uh, especially efficiency, is uh, uh, robotic process automation or RPA. Um, we uh, We started sort of, uh, thinking about it, I don't know, a year and a half ago, um, did some implementations about uh, probably three quarters of a year ago now. So, of course, what it is, is it's um, sort of a script-based tool. I mean, probably most people who are listening know this, but sort of a script-based, a GUI script-based tool that's, uh, that's really easy to configure, that basically mimics the actions of a, of a, of a human user And, um, it, uh, you know, I guess (coughs) I I wouldn't consider RPA to be, um, sort of the end objective, uh, because, uh, in some sense, it's a bit of paving the cow path, but, um, you know, we, we really, you know, are reconsidering processes when we're, uh, pursuing digital transformation, but in terms of like interim benefits, uh, easy way to make quick wins. Um, and I'll give you an example. So, uh, I'm, of course uh, uh, involved in the corporate finance area at the BCSC. Uh, we, we probably uh, we're actually separately pursuing a regulatory platform uh, project as well that I didn't touch on. We'll probably touch on a little bit later. But as part of that work, we identified of course, numerous opportunities to, uh, to improve efficiencies, uh, including probably sort of you know hundreds. Um, in corporate finance, there were, you know, several of those that were really straightforward, you know, kind of, you know, flag certain types of filings for review, correct profile deficiency, uh, differences between systems, those sorts of things. So we picked eight of those, um, last year, um, worked with, uh, with a consultant to, you know, to draft the script up and, and get them implemented. And it took, I don't know, Four weeks, six weeks to do this. Uh, We expected to free up about 100 uh, days of effort. um, As a result, we ended up freeing up probably over 200 days of effort. um, And of course, it was a really quick implementation. So quick sort of return on investment as well. And definitely um, sort of for staff um, helped, um, helped excite them about, you know, the potential for additional improvements. And of course, we're exploring several other easy opportunities now as well.
0: Okay, and and, uh, how about yourself, Umar, in um, Quebec? And also, can you also speak a little bit on the work the CSA is doing in the FinTech Lab?
2: Yes, uh, thanks, Donna. Uh, So uh, the FinTech Lab um, is uh, very important and strategic for us. And uh, and, uh, what we did uh, recently, uh, was uh, to, uh, to contribute to improve uh, Cedar, and uh, through uh, the implementation of uh, natural language processing uh, uh, around uh, translation. Uh, so the AMF fintech lab has sought to find innovative ways to, to better exploit the multiple documents filed in CDAR uh, by firms uh, subject to, security, to the Securities Act. Uh, So by doing so, uh, one question emerged uh, is, uh, this question was, uh, could we use the documents filed in Cedar in both official languages, so French and English, to improve the performance of uh, the translation tools? Uh, So um, the the, the FinTech lab uh, uh, saw in uh, Cedar data the raw material that can be used, Um, uh, for research in natural language processing and uh, uh, for your information language, uh, uh, natural language processing or uh, NLP is a branch of artificial intelligence. Um, uh, As you might know, uh, a lot of filings are done on PDF format. So if you want to extract um, information from PDF files, uh, that's where you use natural language processing. So uh, the team were, were, was able to extract and align uh, sentences contained in more than two, two, 250,000 duos of documents filed in Cedar in both languages. And the result was amazing because uh, um, uh, so the resulting database now includes more than uh, uh, 8 million couples of sentences, uh, which represents about 25% of all data available for research. Uh, so uh, this is a concrete example, you know, to, um, uh, to support the industry stakeholders, you know. Um, uh, so investors can now benefit from having uh, the information necessary for their investment decisions uh, in the language of their choice. And, uh, and of course, this data is available for everyone. Uh, so, uh, so they can uh, access the data and it can be useful you know even for research purposes so that's uh, that's uh, that's an effort that uh, amf fintech lab did so of course it benefits internally at amf but it benefits uh, the, the csa and uh, more globally the uh, investor community
0: yeah was, i was i love this the use case and and i wondered actually if this is something that you've shared with with your gfen peers because you think about Europe, you might they might have similar um, types of challenges.
2: Yes, absolutely. We are we are in constant contact with uh, GIFIN, the Global Financial Innovation Network. Uh, so, uh, what's interesting with the pandemic, uh, uh, the, with the COVID pandemic, is that we, we are now in closer contact with uh, with our peers around the world, and uh, there there was. Uh, 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 this uh, this fall um, uh, subtech symposium that was uh, that that was that was organized by Jiffen, uh, so our colleagues from the SEC in the US uh, so took the lead role in organizing this uh, subtech symposium, and and it was really interesting you know because uh, uh, we hear about best practices how uh, different regulators around the world uh, try to, um, uh, to to improve. Um, the, the way they operate, uh, the, to be in a certain sense smarter regulators uh, that uh, leverage more data, you know. Um, and, uh, and I think uh, we have uh, as Canadians uh, uh, through the CSA um, and including um, uh, the different initiatives that we have, like uh, what I mentioned earlier with NLP, you know, those are good examples, you know, those are good examples of what can be done And what can be done also with, uh, with small teams, you know, with talents we have, you know. So, and uh, I, I, I strongly believe that uh, you know we have uh, uh, the right talent. uh, We have have also the right talent to. It's important to foster this talent, uh, and um, and probably this talent in the next couple of years, you know, will be more data savvy and uh, and uh, and yes, and use it for right purposes.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm personally such a big supporter of of the talent pool here in Canada, and and I actually see reg tech and Subtech as being a potential Canadian export. And um, I think the Gfin um, is uh, is a great example of how um, we've we've been able to you know share our expertise. Um, so I think the whole audience will be really interested to keep hearing about. Um, these types of um, programs and testing that you are you're doing with your international peers. Thank you so much for the work that you you and the CSA are doing in that area. Um, Actually, I I, now like I I just wanted to um, kind of open it up and talk to you both about you know, subtech more generally, like um, you know, it, it ha- enhances supervision in a lot of ways. And maybe you both could opine a little bit on some of the the user cases or areas um, within um, subtech that you think you know are going to um, kind of really affect change um, and, and, um, and and drive uh, and drive uh, in, and enhance supervision. Um, John, how about we start with you?
1: Thanks, Donna. Um, So, yeah, I think, um, as Umar already mentioned, I think uh, sort of core to this is the data, and uh, certainly, you know, one of the the objectives that we're driving towards is that sort of, um, not necessarily consolidating all of the data, of course, but that sort of master data view and uh, interoperability, um, and then application of AI and, and machine learning um, in ways that can help us then leverage that data to be more effective. Um, so, for example, again, at the BCSC in this last year, we've actually you know, also launched a regulatory platform project to do those, to do those things. Um, and from that, of course, you know, generate more proactive insight, um, you know, automate those those rote tasks and, and free ourselves for for the higher value sort of oversight work. Um, so in, just in terms of specific use cases, um, we, we've actually, of course, as part of that, been doing quite a bit of thinking about that. And um, actually, in February, we plan to publish an RFP for consulting support to pilot several Uh, I'll call them soup tech ideas over the next year uh, so that we can benefit from them fairly quickly. And then of course, plug them into the regulatory platform when we've got that technology um, infrastructure in place. Um, So a couple of examples of use cases that we're pursuing are things like um, identity resolution and network analysis. So of course, um, you know, there's, there's John Hines and all sorts of different regulatory filings. And we're trying to figure out if it's the same John Hines um, and if it's related to the John Hines and our our enforcement files, et cetera, um, and in reputation databases, et cetera, and involved with, you know, X, Y, and Z codes Um, that can be challenging to do uh, given the sort of a a lack of unique identifiers in, in most regulatory filings. So, you know, applying uh, supervisory technology in these, you know, Fuzzy logic sort of matching approaches, for example, to uh, to identity resolution, uh, we see significant benefits for us in that. And then, of course, you know, resolving the identities and then uh, and then uh, building those relationships as well really helps us. Um, another example uh, would be, uh, you know, Umar already talked about application of. Uh, natural language processing and we see lots of you know benefits uh there as well you know um, for example around prioritizing disclosure uh that's that's overly promotional for for review Um, and uh, and not just thinking about you know required disclosures but also looking into um, issuer websites and, and and voluntary disclosures and social media disclosures for example
0: Thanks, John. Um, Umar, how about yourself? What, what, what applications are, are you working on over in Quebec?
2: So uh, it's very interesting that John mentions uh, the, 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 the idea of identity. And I think uh, digital ID uh, is a very important trend we see. Uh, it's a very important trend we see here in Quebec, Canada, but also worldwide. Uh, there were uh, various events uh, that have uh, triggered a wide interest uh, for the creation of uh, digital, uh, digital ID infrastructure uh, here in Canada. Uh, so uh, some are government-led projects on the way, uh, for example, in the province of Quebec, uh, there is this uh, goal to, to create a digital identity for all Quebec citizens uh, in the upcoming years. And I know that there are also similar projects being held in other Canadian provinces, such as Ontario or British Columbia. And uh, digital ID uh, has uh, the potential to remove a friction in the distribution of uh, digital uh, financial products and services, uh, of course, uh, digital ID uh, can help uh, foster innovation, uh, but also uh, there are different applications and purposes uh, that uh, where digital ID can play an important role, uh, such as, uh, for example, uh, eKYC, so the uh, Know Your Customer um, processes, uh, those can be significantly improved. Um, With the pandemic, we saw that it's very difficult, for example, to meet clients in person, you know, for uh, certain financial institutions. So so people are more uh, now relying on EKYC solutions. So those are the of digital ID. Uh, Internally at AMF, we have an internal work stream that is uh, currently finalizing an internal report uh, to, to explain how digital ID could impact the financial markets and AMF activities. Uh, so, of course, uh, if uh, the regulation is adequate, uh, the change in risk profiles of firms supervised or clients you know, of those firms, uh, the, the fact that we need to adapt to expectations related, of course, to KYC, as I mentioned earlier, and how to prevent potential frauds and scams by having a robust uh, digital ID infrastructure. And in this area, uh, we have uh, uh, the DIAC, so the uh, digital uh, uh, ID um, uh, initiative that was launched here in Canada to create um, a, 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 a platform uh, that, uh, that would make sure uh, that uh, standards, uh, a platform and standards that would make sure that digital ID in Canada might be interoperable. So uh, the digital, digital ID, for example, Uh, that is being issued in Quebec or somewhere else would be interoperable etc. So it's a very important um, uh, topic and an area where we will hear more about in the next couple of months and years.
0: Yeah it it is absolutely great. I'm glad to see that this is kicking off here in Canada. You know I lived in Singapore for several years and you know they are they you know, having a small nimble country, they, they had an ID system and, and, you know, you can see how, um, how that has helped, you know, in in some of their reg tech and um, sub tech um, progression. Um, So that's a great initiative. And, and actually, hopefully we can call you back um, to, to talk about that. Um, a little bit more, uh, maybe uh, later this year. But that's all the time we have today. And thirty minutes goes really fast. Um, I want to thank you both for joining us, and hopefully, uh, we can have you here again to continue this dis- um, really good discussion. Because I think the the audience likes would like to hear, you know, understand. You know, we we're always talking as an association about reg tech, but you know, there's two sides um, of of that. Um, of, of RegTech and and working with the regulators is is so important for our mandate. Thank you very
2: much for joining us.
1: Thanks, Donna, and so thanks, more.
2: Yes, you're welcome, Donna. Thanks, John. <laughs>